Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Denise Michaels and I am here with Charles L. Whitby II. Uh, grand... Um, helper in the world of Las Vegas, helping people get jobs and doing all kinds of wonderful, amazing things, in addition to the author of Brown Skin, Green Money. And today is Friday, January the 29th. Hi, Charles. Hi, Denise. (laughs) Anyway, I enjoy your voice. I get a kick out of it. So, anyway. That's Um, good. It'll be good for an audio book, then. What's that? It'll be good for my audio book then. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So um, are, where are you at? Are you at home or what are you doing right now? I'm actually driving home. Uh, I was on the very far side of town, so I'm about five minutes away from my, from my okay. place of habitation. Okay. All right. Good. Well, you know, when you need to, like, get out of the car or do whatever, just let me know and we'll take a break rather than trying to talk through it for just a couple minutes. You know. Okay. So anyway, so today's meeting, actually this is our last chapter we're working on. We're at 159 uh, pages so far. I got three more chapters to get to you. The uh, Don't take advice from people who are broke. Uh, sharing last names doesn't mean sharing bills, which we talked about last time. And then the one we'll talk about today, which is the protection plan. So anyway, let's do that. And I can see where a protection plan would be an important part of kind of creating a legacy for others. Absolutely. Yeah, so talk about that a little bit just in general, and then we'll kind of dive down and and break it down a little bit. I think this is very timely for us to have this discussion. Uh, I was at Preview this morning working the Las Vegas Business Council booth, for which I'm serving for 2016 through the Metro Chamber, and I uh, I saw one of my brothers that I that one of my 100 black men brothers that he works for Cox Communication. He introduced me to a gentleman that he works with a colleague of his. They're all both on the leadership teams for Cox. And I was at the time speaking with a Latin brother named Omar who works for the Southern Nevada Regional Water Authority, and we were having a discussion. Omar and I, prior, he was asking me about Eastgate Enterprises and what I did, and I was telling him about the 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 burden that I feel to educate people about finances and, and money within our community. So he and I were both sharing from a minority perspective, him being a Latina, me being African-American, and we were discussing some of the hardships. And these two brothers from Cox walked up, both of which are African-American males, and so we extended the conversation at the booth regarding the subject, and one of the things that we brought up was the fact that um, I've been I've been listening to some Martin Luther King speeches, and one of the last speeches that Martin Luther King 
spoke was a title, a speech called Where Do We Go From Here? And I think this is good because I think my next book is going to be called Where Do We Go From Here? And so it would be great to end. I think this is where we'll end this book is a good segue. So I'm like loving how all this is coming together. And uh, Where Do We Go From Here is a message about the victories that the civil rights movement accomplished in terms of human rights, in terms of desegregation, formalized desegregation, and institutionalized racism. And it it talks about the fact that at this point, 10 years after the beginning of the civil rights movement, the, the beginning of the creation of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, at the 10-year anniversary of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Dr. King talks about the the victories, but the challenges yet to to be overcome. And uh-huh. we're talking about this. I'm I'm telling them about this experience at the booth. And one of the gentlemen, the new gentleman that I never met before, he he said one of the problems that I ran into is that when my parents died, they didn't leave me anything. And when their parents died, they didn't leave his parents anything. And you could tell by the sound of how he described the hand motions that he used that he was very much emotional about that situation. and And he began to then describe the other people that were around him that he knows that he grew up with were in the same position. They buried their parents with their own money or they had to go into debt oh in order to. So they didn't to, even to, plan for final expenses. Right. Right. So, so the, you could see the anguish in his face and the conversation sparked a whole different level of energy amongst all of these minority gentlemen standing together in a circle and the and Omar, who said the same thing, he said, I have this exact same. My parents were never left anything. His parents are still alive, but he's saying they, they had nothing to give him in terms from a financial perspective. And and so it was, it was then I began to explain to them that there's still a lot to happen in terms of overcoming the struggle, right? There, right. There's a, we have beautiful progress from a human rights perspective, but from an economic standpoint in which we are a capitalistic society, we are still very far behind. One of the things that Dr. King said that really touched me in this speech was at the time he said, we have a lot of victories and, you know, at the, before when the constitution was written, African-Americans, were treated as 60% of a person. Right. The the black man was 60% of a person, but he said from an economic standpoint in 1957, generations after slavery ended, a black man is really 50% of a person. And it's because he's, and this is what Martin Luther King said, he said black men, black people, enjoy 50% of the good things that others enjoy and have twice as many of the bad things that other people have, which is just a very, very phenomenal statement and an impactful statement 
but it then began to to make me analyze uh, how much different are we almost 50 years later. Right. And being being in 2016, 49 years later, that statement can still be upheld in many communities. And so there's this whole uh, complacency and lack of uh, maybe it's awareness, maybe it's complacency, maybe it's a combination of both, where black families are not intentional, as we talked about before, about making sure that, you know, worst-case scenario, something happens to to that person that they would be able to leave a lasting um, economic impact on their family in a positive perspective to be able to survive the hardship of losing a parent or losing a husband or losing a father or you losing an uncle, whatever that relationship of a provider looks like. Even even and when you're fully grown, right? Even when you're fully grown, right. Because, yeah. because if your family is interested in, in honoring your life, there's an expense, to your point, the final expense of the burial and the the services and everything that comes with honoring the life of a person uh, the way that from a, uh, from a American cultural perspective we do, uh, that, that, that puts this financial strain on the family. And a lot of families feel obligated from a social perspective and from an honoring perspective to – to treat their their dead with honor and 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 to celebrate their life or whatever however that translates to their culture and so and and that pressure is now on the family and then that lack of what the family doesn't account for is the person that person is no longer there and then the income that they supply is no longer there, or he or she supplied is no longer there. So consequently, there's a huge deficit that's introduced to the family that didn't exist, which one bad situation or not even just the the standard of living that they currently are in is no longer sustainable. Can I can I share a quick story with you, Charles? Sure. Okay, uh-huh. just because... This happened to me like yesterday, so it's like really fresh in my mind. It was about uh, maybe 2, 2.15 in the afternoon. I get this, you know, I'm sitting at my desk working. I get this knock on the door, and this guy is there, and he says to me, did you hear about Marilyn? Well, Marilyn was our next-door neighbor, right? And he said, I'm Marilyn's son. My name is Kevin, and I wanted to let you know that she passed away. And I'm like, oh, Kevin, I'm so sorry. Come in, you know. So at any rate, it, she, Marilyn was like super quiet, kept to herself and everything. And um, anyway, but but uh, so you know, and, and literally, he didn't know that she. He lives here in Las Vegas, but he didn't know that she passed away until almost a week later because she's like, you know, she didn't have phone numbers with her, like who to call in case of an emergency when they took her to the hospital and everything. But once he found out and everything and came to her home and everything, he finds this little box under her bed, 
and it's got everything in it. It's got the will. It's got, you know, here's the deed to the house. Here's my pre-planning arrangements. Here's $2,000 cash just to take care of, you know, just the incidentals that are going to come, like all in this one box, all organized, you know? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this is a woman basically living on a social security check. It's not like she was well-to-do or anything like that, you know? Right. But she planned, you know? She planned. So, yeah, yeah. And there's there's a thing that I, I, I've i heard, and I think we may have discussed it before. Uh, people don't plan to fail. They fail to they plan. They fail to plan, right. But right. then what, what I like to continue to highlight about that statement is that as a result of that, they fail, you know, because I think yeah. people stop yeah. at they plan, they don't plan, plan to fail or plan to fail, they fail to plan. But what's the impact of failing to plan is failure. It's failure. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So anyway, I kind of interrupted you. I apologize. It just, it happened like 24 hours ago and it just was popped into my brain, you know. Well, Yeah. No, I think this is, a, I mean, for many reasons, a timely discussion. I don't believe in coincidences, so I think it's, it's important, you know, to talk about this. And it's timely to talk about it. And, and I'm, I've seen too many of, too many GoFundMes online to cover expenses for family deaths. I've seen driving down the street in Las Vegas, multiple times been stopped on a corner by families who are trying to raise money because someone in their family died. For a burial or whatever. Right, to cover the burial or even to get help because they don't know what to do. They can't afford to live without their provider's income. And it's very disturbing and, and it's it's something that is, is preventable for many situations is preventable. I mean, we've heard horror stories of people not, um, you know, insurance companies not paying and things like that. Um, But for the most part, uh, companies that stay in business and are reputable, they pay as long as the the policy agreement is, was followed by the insurer. Right. Right. Um, I and sold not only life that, for a few years, so I kind of, I said I sold life insurance for back when I was like maybe twenty eight to thirty two, so I know a little bit about that. But anyway, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and personally, I, you know, I got my insurance license for for to to do insurance, but also for the credibility and the understanding, right? So that right. I can educate others about it. Um, right. I believe that I believe that it's very important for families to plan. I know that death and not only death, right? There are other types of things that can happen to people that are um, that are unfortunate. Um, you know, dismemberment or uh, something, a, a terminal illness or. Whatever. Disability, really. Yeah, disability. And it's important for a family, a provider, to consider these things. And we talked about in an earlier chapter about um, not having kids that you can't afford, right? This kind of plugs into that same, same philosophy is 
if you if you have a desire as a parent or to be a parent, you have to really count up all the costs. And part of that is thinking about protecting your family in case, just in case, right? If something happens, um, unfortunately, to someone, um, I've got, just for example, myself, God forbid something were to happen to me, my sister is not a dependent of me, but, you know, I have family members that, that rely on parts of my income for certain things. And if something happened to me, I am very well insured, um, more than I like to share with my family because I don't want anything to happen to me accidentally. (laughs) 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 We won't put that in the book, Charles. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think we should. I think it would be a great humor point. But, uh I think Okay. All right, we will then. <laughs> yeah, I think it I think it'll be a good break in the flow and make it a little fun. A little chuckle. Right. I think but I was respond and I don't even have children at this point. But I also understand that as I'm younger than I will be when I have children and it's more cost effective for me to have a policy larger locked in as a younger person right. than it is as an older person. So I'm thinking ahead of even, you know, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I do have, you know, family members that, like I said, they they, they benefit from my, from my income. And so there are provisions that I've made in case, God forbid, something happened to me. But also, in the case that I have a family, I have a wife, I have children, that I have already lined up my assets and my and uh, and something to take care of them in case something happened to me. And I've never allowed an insurance policy to lapse. Um, and and I've had an insurance policy on my life since I was about twenty one. Um, Did you? Charles, uh, did you ever sell life insurance at all? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I sell so, it now. Oh, oh, do you? Okay. I didn't know. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I remember hearing this over and over again. I would be talking to a husband and wife, and the wife is mostly, maybe she's got like a part-time job, you know, or does like a little daycare at home or something, but the guy is basically the primary provider, right? Right. And the guy says, well, I'm not planning on dying anytime soon, huh. <laughs> you know. And and the woman, the wife is looking at me like, please help me, you know. Like, right. how do I get through to my thick-headed husband here, you know, right? That right. if he's gone, you know, I need that, right, you know. So anyway, to, to raise the kids and hopefully be able to stay in the same home and, you know stuff like that. So I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but, I mean, it's just like crazy, crazy stuff people would say. I, I, I have heard that, and I've I heard a great, I heard a great response to that. And the response, um, uh, and I'll, I would like to place it in the book, is, you know, I heard a, a insurance agent who was a leader of an insurance organization speak on that subject and said he told he tells 
a man who would who would respond like that that you have to understand that life insurance life insurance is the one thing that is the one of well is one of the only things that you can do that is a sign of love after you die mm-hmm. how you can show your family love after you die is by leaving them something because life insurance is one product that you don't ever get to benefit from except for you die if it's if it's term <laughs> you know right. it, 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 there's no there's no it's not intended I'll just put it that way it's not intended to benefit you it's intended to benefit people that you love right and when and he, I, when he, I think I, when he, I think I, I think I learned how to get around that you know obstacle or you know whatever in time but I'm just saying the fact that someone would even say that is just kind of crazy you know I, I totally agree, and I feel like um, I, I feel like if when you when you get it out of the mind, you have to paint the picture that this protecting your family, whether that's through life insurance, whether that's through leaving them an inheritance because you have money, whether that's ensuring that there's a will in place um, so that you don't have to go through probate and all the other types of legalities that take place if you don't have a, a, a will or a living trust. Uh, right. Those those type of um, protection shows your family that you really, really care about them. Yeah, and it exactly. really sets it up for them to be able to be okay if something ever happens to you. In fact, this guy, Kevin, who just lost his mom a week ago that came to our door yesterday, he said, wow, she really loved me because, you know, look at the planning that she did so that I don't have to be burdened with making all these decisions, right. you know, right? So let's let's go back to um, emergency fund, and then we'll circle back to life, the life insurance topic um, what do you see as important? And you know what's something that's not on here that I want to add is what about like legal documents, like a will, a living will, right. um, DNR? Right. I'm going to add that in here and just put Absolutely. legal documents, okay? Absolutely. And, and then we'll talk about that in a few minutes. So, But I think it's important. I totally okay. agree. So, All right. So emergency Let's fund, talk right? about emergency funds. Yeah, absolutely. An emergency fund is a principle that I learned very late in life. I never ever even thought about. It. I won't say late in life because I'm not that old. I learned in my in my mid twenties that there was. I never even had heard of the term. I heard a rainy day fund. Um, I know not fun. I heard about having something for a rainy day, but never really internalized what that meant and what I just. You know, have something for a rainy day. Okay, set aside a couple hundred dollars. Well, emergency fund is really a strategy. It's it's a plan. It's if something happens to my sources of income, I have the ability to continue to live uh, the same type of life. Maybe cut a little, you know, cut some things here out, uh, here out here and there, but still maintain, able to maintain, for the most part, my standard of living for a set amount of time. So I think it's important for people to really be realistic in terms of how long 
they could live a certain lifestyle without having income and being able to fund that by putting away money for savings. And so the emergency fund strategy is something that I I, I adopted from others that I've heard that three to six months is a good savings. Uh, three to six months of your expenses should should be put away in account so that if something happens where you lose a job or your business is shut down or something happens that you're unable to bring in income how you normally do and you need time to recover from that, or maybe even uh, let's talk about a death in the family. If there was something that happened or a reason that you had to go uh, be away from your family and you were, you were um there was some other obligation that you had to tend to that was that would cause you to be have to step away from your normal source of income. Um, say, for example, like a parent that lives in a different state getting sick, or um, you know, uh, some business matters that relate to a family member. Like you just talked about, Kevin. Kevin had to come. You know, he he may have bereavement from his job if he has a job, but if he doesn't have a job and he doesn't have a reason. He has to be able to sustain being away from his source of income to take care of, you know, making sure that his mother is properly honored through her death. And so you right. have um, these situations. Um, yep. uh-huh. let, me, let, me just get, let me just get your thoughts on this. I've always understood the emergency one, like the three, six, or 12 months, whatever that is, should be like liquid cash. It's not like, you know, these are in stocks or it's in real estate, but it's Correct. something that you can get your hands on fast. It has to be it has to be accessible immediately. So yes, I, I that is correct. That is my philosophy on it too. too. Um, if anything that's interest bearing, it would need to it would it should be a savings account or a money market account, but it shouldn't right. be locked up in investments, uh, uh, normal so like mutual funds, stocks, or bonds. I'm sorry? I said it's not subject to market volatility like stocks or something. Right, 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 right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, totally agree with that. And okay. and so, uh, yeah, so, they, so that should be a part of every person. Let's say car repairs, right? Um, just the other day, um, my car had some issues. I didn't know what it was. The issues kind of magically went away, but I still took my car in because it wasn't starting, and then it started, and then it has had a problem. The mechanic's like, I don't know what's wrong. It started 80 times for me or whatever, but then I said, hey, since you have it, can you just look at it and see if there's anything else? Um, I needed a radiator replaced, a water pump replaced. I didn't have to go and swipe a credit card. I didn't have to go and ask for a signature loan. I had money put away in case something happened. Same thing, a couple years ago, I had this weird situation happen with my, my rotors. My brake pads were were literally... Um, like non-existent. They were bonded to my rotors. So my yeah, braking I, system... I had that happen once, many years ago. Yeah, and it was like a, a, a $3,000 job. Holy but I had the money to to do it. I, it was like, oh yeah, go ahead and do it. 
Well, it was like an $1,800 job, and then they were like, you need new tires, too. I said, okay, well, just do everything. And I could just say that and then not be, oh, my God, where, is it, where am I going to get this money from? Or I, I got to swipe this credit card, or I have to go to this payday roll. There was none of that. It was the money was already set aside in case, and then once I spent that money, I replenished that account. Right. So that, okay, the next emergency that comes up, I have money for it. And, and so that mentality, I had, I've never, I had never been exposed to that until my mid twenties. I've always seen wow. people um, swipe credit cards and pay it off later, or um, go get a payday loan, or go get a signature loan uh, because they needed to do repairs, or even get it financed through the mechanic because now the mechanics have the ability to finance repairs. So I've seen all of those solutions, but, I mean, all of those solutions are more costly than you just putting money away. And and then it, it becomes where one bad situation uh, sets you back and then you run into another one, and it just becomes this domino effect of impact to your finances. So emergency fund is a, a, a beautiful way to start that protection mechanism for you, for your family, um, you know, a kid needs braces or a kid breaks his leg or whatever, God forbid, those things happen. Right. You, you, those are unexpected expenses, and they that right. happens in every one of our lives. And we cannot budget for unexpected expenses because they're unexpected. So they're <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So you started talking about life insurance a little bit earlier. What more would you like to include? about on the topic of life insurance? I would, I would like to say it's, it's, you know, having life insurance is not just to cover the the funeral. Um, having life insurance, a lot of companies use the phrase protect when they talk about life insurance. You protect your family. And the reason why they use that is because the way that life insurance is intended to be planned out is, for a period of time that, you know, you kind of predetermine, you plan it out, you say for, I want my family to be able to take advantage of as though I was still in the house providing for them for X number of years until my children are adults or whatever. So you would definitely take into account how long you would you would want your family to survive with at least the same amount of income that they would have had if you were still there, and maybe even more, right? Maybe it's you project that you're on a career path that you'd be making seven figures in the year 2020 or whatever, and and you want to have you want and you're doing that because you want your family to live a certain type of life and have certain opportunities. You want to plan that out in your policy. You want to make sure that that's planned out in case you're unable to do that personally through your hard work and labor. How much and income you're going to need, you know? And sometimes husbands would say, "Well, my wife can go to work," you know. And if they were like really little kids, they would be like, "Well, then not only are they losing daddy, they're losing mommy too, a great right. deal of the time," you know. Exactly. Right exactly. until they're a little older and in school and stuff. And it's like, and if she goes to work, now you're going to suddenly need house, you know, um, 
um, uh, daycare and, you know, all kinds of services that mothers provide because the woman is now at work, you know, after her exactly. husband passes away. So Exactly. You know, there there was sort of a formula that we did to factor all that in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you there, and Charles? Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Charles, Hello? can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello, Denise? Hello? 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 Denise? Do you hear me? Denise? Hello? Denise? Denise? Charles? Hi. Denise? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, that was so weird. Yeah, I have no idea what what happened. It was like, did you hit a mute button or? (laughs) No, (laughs) No, Or, you know, it was like I was still on the call, but I couldn't hear anything, you know? Yeah, I was on the call too, and I could hear you intermittently. Like every now and then, I could hear you very clearly, and then I wouldn't hear anything at all. So wow. Oh well. Okay, you were talking about life insurance. Okay. Um, I don't remember what my last point was. Uh, uh, well, we, oh, we were talking well, planning, about planning, planning how much is needed. Period. Yeah. Yeah, planning it out, making sure that it's uh, relevant for and protecting over time. Uh, until your family has the ability to get off their feet or his or her feet. Um, I think in terms of life insurance, you just really have to to be disciplined about making sure that you understand that it's important to make sure my family's okay if I'm not, for whatever reason, available to empower them to be okay 
through my work and efforts and all the beautiful things that I can do now that I may not be able to do later. Right, right. Very important. So, Okay, well, why don't we talk about legal documents? There's wills, there's living wills. Um, I learned, you know, when my dad passed away almost six years ago, the importance of something called, um, you know, some people want this and some people don't, but at least know about it, called a DNR, which is like do not resuscitate, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which a lot of times elderly people, it's like, oh, Lordy, you know, because it might bring me back and I'm a vegetable on all these plugs and, you know, all this stuff, right? So I know that was. I know that was a factor when my dad passed away is, you know, the the EMTs were there at their house, you know, working on them and everything. And my mom's running around trying to find the DNR. Finally, she found it, you know, and then they let it go and he was gone and, you know, took him, took him away and all that. But, you know, it was like they had it in place. My mom just had to find it, you know. So right. let's talk about legal documents. I think Wills is a good place to start, huh? Absolutely. That's um, the most basic. Yeah, so it's important uh, to, if you have assets, um, obviously through life insurance, there's the beneficiaries, and you designate your beneficiaries in the life insurance. Um, my My grandmother actually just recently got sick, and she has surgery, but she's like 93. And so before she went into surgery, she was wise enough to understand, I'm 93 years old, and she's in wonderful health for the most part. She just had a swollen thyroid. But if the surgery, something happened during surgery, because she's older, you know, she signed over, she she documented um, what she wanted to happen with her assets because she has a home back in Michigan, um, and she has other assets, and she designated specifically brought a notary up to the room um, for some things that were unsettled in terms of um, she's got some things clearly mapped out in her will, and then there were some things that were unsettled because the, the house is on the market to be sold. So she empowered one of the grandchildren to take over that through uh, a living will, uh, power of attorney type of situation. Um, so she kind of did a combined situation there where she gave him the living will and power of attorney. And if something happens, right, he, even if she wasn't, even if she was not dead, if she didn't die, which she didn't, thank God, from the surgery, she doesn't, in, in recovering and knowing that she's starting to deal with some health problems, she doesn't want to have the responsibility of trying to figure all that out. So she has a will for death and she has a living will so that now as she's alive, she's empowered one of the grandchildren to run her assets for her, trusting that he will make the best decisions because she's, you know, informed her of the things that she wants to happen and, he, you know, he's got to follow that. The, so, the so Charles, ex- explain the difference between a will and a living will. So a, a will is um, when you 
a will is intended for after you've passed. Right. And, you know, there are certain things that you want to happen after you, you're, you're gone on and your memory is with the family. A living will is when you're still alive and it could be possible that you're incapacitated and you cannot make decisions or you've been deemed un, uh, unqualified, whether it's through mental or physical or a combination of both, or um, that you're still alive, but you can no longer make decisions about what you... What's in your best interest? What's in your best interest? There you go. Okay. Okay. And then how is that different, a living will, from power of attorney? So so power of attorney is, um, and, and I, I'm not an expert on this. Well, here's my here's my understanding, and I'm just getting it to get it on the tape, you know, so we can put it in the chapter. But, right. like, my, my sister has power of attorney over my mom, which means that financially she can write and sign checks, you know, right. for her bills or something. You know, my mom has Alzheimer's and dementia and everything, and my sister can make financial decisions for her, you know. Um, I'm not sure if she has, I'm sure she has a living will as well, but it has to do with making financial decisions. Like if my sister wanted to move my mom into a, um, say, assisted living center or something like that, you know, legally she has the right to do that, you know. Legally she has the right to control my mom's finances, you know. So, um Anyway, so it's got to be somebody in the family that's very trusted and honest and high integrity and, you know, all and kind of understands the consequences of those things, you know. And, and, and from my understanding, it's also related to medical care as well. So it's finances right. and medical care. So it, you mentioned the do not resuscitate, that, that that person can actually have that power to say do not resuscitate um, it's not in the best interest of my my family, or it's not in the best interest of my my parent for you to treat them for this particular thing. Right. You know, right. To be able a to lot actually... of people, just because of the crazy world we live in, where they've like kept people alive on tubes for years and all of that. There's a lot of people that, even though it seems like it's kind of doubling up, it's like they have all of it in place. You know. Exactly. So. Anyway, okay. All right, so that's the legal doc- document aspects. Um, the next I thing think, here I on the I list. I also want to talk about a trust. Oh, well. okay. Go ahead. Go for it. And so it, it also becomes important to have a trust because a trust is a relationship where the family member who has the asset um, allows. Uh, for the property or the 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 assets to be um, handled by someone that they trust, so it's a little or, so it's a little bit different from a will because a will has almost some specifications in terms of this, I want exactly this to go where there and I want this to go there, whereas a trust is I empower this other person or this organization or this entity to make decisions where I have not made them. 
Okay. Do you know if your parents have that set up or you have that set up? So my parents don't have um, assets to pass off um, that that my my mom has life insurance that has beneficiaries designated, but she doesn't have any valuable assets that would qualify. I think you have to have uh, lawyers recommend that a trust be set up for $20,000 and above in assets. And my parents don't have anything like that. Um, I do have a trust set up um, and because it's related to my non-life insurance-related assets. Uh, obviously, I talk about investing, so I believe in that. Uh, so I, I have a trust, but I didn't even know about a trust until my mid-20s. Yeah. Wow, okay. Okay, good. Anything else you want to say about trust? Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. I just wanted to uh, make sure we included that in the list of documents. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. That's fine. That's fine. All right, so the next thing on the list you have here is educational IRAs slash savings accounts. Right. So there – so uh, – one of the things that we talked about in previous chapters is that it's really the responsibility of the parents to educate the child, not just through, you know, the high school, uh, K through 12. But post-secondary education is important. But uh, educational IRAs, some educational IRAs allow you to pay for uh, secondary education and anything that's before post-secondary so there are some IRAs that you can use specifically for edu- like private schooling, for example. If you want your child to go to private school, there are some educational um, uh, individual, individual retirement accounts, investment retirement accounts that will allow you to take money from that account, non-penalized, to be able to finance education on, on multiple levels. Where this becomes valuable is because um, – and there are different ways for that they're structured. There are some IRA agreements where you enter into with the university or the place of educational institution, where you basically you pay that institution until that child or that student is ready to go to that school, and their cost of college does not inflate. It, it locks you into a rate of whatever that college. Um, is at that time what their pricing is so that you don't pay inflation rates later on, which is a beautiful tool to save you money in the long run. And then there is also interest-bearing IRA accounts where the money is in an account that grows with interest and typically is at least the same rate as inflation, and it allows you to be able to put away money and accumulate money so that when your child is ready to go to school, it's you can pull that money out unpenalized, and that child is is able to have a funded education, and that is a form of protection. You're 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 allowing, you're building up this um, this this nest for your child to be able, if they don't get the scholarship that we dream that they get, or if they don't get 
um, uh, uh, you know, win the lottery or whatever <laughs> to pay right. for their school. Now, can you can you hold on just a second? There's someone at the door, and Ernie's sure. not here. Just a second. Hi, John. That's okay. You want to let Ernie know and for your information too. He has passed away. So did Marilyn. Next it. door. Yeah. Yeah, her son just came to our front door. So, yes, I'll let him know. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gee, that's two people in my neighborhood. Wow. Neat. No. Ernie used to be on the uh, Homeowners Association board. Okay. Wow. That is so bad. Hello, Denise? It's kind of a crack up, you know. So anyway, he'll be sad to hear that. Sorry about that, Charles. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. You still there? I'm here. Can you hear me? 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 Oh, so weird. Hello? Hello, Denise? Hello, Denise? Hello? Hello?
Hello? Hello? Hello? Hello? Hello? Hello? Hello? Charles? Charles? Hello? Hi. You can hear me? Yes, I can. So weird. So, yeah, I mean, that conversation with my neighbor was like 30 seconds long. I just wanted to let you know. You know, I mean, you you heard as much of it as there was, and then I said thank you. She saw I was on the phone, so she, like, apologized, you know. So, anyway, anyway, okay. Wow, this has been crazy, you know. So, yeah. anyway. Okay, um, we were talking about 
educational IRAs and savings accounts. We were mm-hmm. in that mode. Yeah, so I think I was saying that it's a form of protection in that you you are setting aside funds for your child or your children in case they don't get that grand full-ride scholarship or they don't get, or you don't win the lottery or whatever. <laughs> the other thing is, is I think, you know, and I think you said this, but, you know, my understanding of these is that um, that college money is set aside for tuition in today's dollars, not whatever it is when they become of college age. Right. There is a form of educational IRA that is that is built for it with right. that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Anything more you want to say about savings accounts? I mean, it's kind of obvious, but... Yeah, just, you know, that savings accounts become a part of the assets that you use to to protect your family, you know, at the end of your your life. Obviously, the investment um, investments are really a good product to, to use, but they're not savings accounts, quote-unquote. But right. emergency fund and IRA, educational savings accounts, and then um, some of those savings accounts, or some of those accounts can be used for first-time home purchases, as well, and those that's where those become valuable. So just get educated about the different types of investment and savings accounts that can work to to, to the advantage of. Right. Why do you think that this is? You know, you talked about it a little at the beginning of the call, but why do you think this is skipped so much in the minority community? I think is a lot of it has to do with familiarity, right? A lot of people, this is foreign to a lot of people that in the minority community, they don't know people, just like I explained the scenario, most people know people on the bad part of, they know the twice as bad, twice, gets twice as um, much of the negative or the bad than the average person. They uh, That's what they've seen, that's what they know. They don't understand the solutions. They don't seek out the solutions because they've never uh, most most minorities have not seen anybody, or or if if they've seen it, they never nobody has ever educated them how they got there and what tools were in place to get them there. I don't know that uh, uh, there is a problem in minority communities about um, in a, in a, in the African American society. There's a philosophy that. Um, that slavery really embedded some uh, some divisional issues within the culture of African American people, almost from a genetic perspective. It was like behavior was so pervasive about being divided and secretive and competitive against one another that it almost bred down to. I mean, some people say DNA, but I think it is more. It's just perpetuated behavior um, down through generations of. I, I'm competing against this person, so I'm not going to share with them how I got ahead. And, and it becomes where that's part of the problem, and then the other part is just the flat-out ignorance and not knowing not knowing about the mechanisms, never being exposed to people who have those mechanisms, never inviting or having a mentor come into their lives that understand things that are more than, more than what they understand, which I talked about in a different portion of the book. 
um, learning from people who know more. That is too much of listening to people who are broke. People who are right. broke can never tell you about these tools because they never use the tools. How do you feel about that sort of cultural legacy? It's it's a huge problem, and it's one that the reason why I was at the event that I that I attended today, and the reason why with that same organization we're going to set up um, leadership sessions to educate these young people about these tools is because I am very passionate. The reason why I'm writing this book is because I am so passionate about getting the message out because people don't have to live the way they're living, and they think that they don't know any other way to do it, to live. And when you can show them, some people, if you show them, a better way, they'll follow the better way. Um, right. And, and also awareness, right? When Martin Luther King brought a lot of awareness, people were, for years, people were under this oppression of not being treated as human, human and it took a voice, a sounding voice, to arise and, and bring awareness to the discomfort and to, to feel able to vocalize that the change was possible. Because I think some of this is embedded in hopelessness, where some individuals don't think that they can, they don't think it's possible. They don't, they've never been exposed to opportunities, so they just don't think it's possible. You know, learning these things from you, Charles, as I have over the weeks, and, you know, the stuff about, like, borrowing somebody's social security number and, and having kids pay your bills and all this stuff about protection plan not being in place. It like it makes the designer purses and the you know all of those sort of luxury things look even more stupid than it did back when we were on that chapter. Yeah, yeah. I don't know but, how you feel about that. Well, I I, I think that um, I, I think that I, I'm glad that I was able to kind of expose some of that, and I think. Some of the book needs the book has purpose in in exposing that is to, I mean, I, it, honestly, it's a it's an effort to demonize that type of behavior, so that people start really looking in perspective. I think sometimes what happens is people can't see they're wrong because they're so deep in the weeds that they're thinking they're they think that they're doing what it takes to survive, but they don't look at a holistic perspective of I'm actually doing my family, doing my legacy, doing my generations following me a disservice by behaving in these manners. And I think, I mean, I I see that happen in the business world. I see that happen in different world where people do things to survive that from a long-term perspective does not create uh, long-term benefits. It's like I've got to do, yeah, it's very short-sighted. i got to do this now to survive. And I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. No, we should be worrying about tomorrow, today. We should have been worrying about tomorrow, yesterday. And so it's it's one of those things where I'm very passionate about delivering that message and and bringing people's awareness up and their consciousness and getting their heads out of the ground and out of the weeds and looking up. Look at the big picture. What's the big picture? The big picture is not... Is, is not living check-to-check, check, living week-to-week, week, living meal-to-meal. Meal. That's not the big picture. And although that may be your situation right now, 
if you lift your head above the weeds for a moment and put a plan together, you might be living check-to-check, meal-to-meal for the next couple meals, the next couple weeks. But you'll find yourself, if you're following the plan, you'll look back and remember when you were living check-to-check and remember when you were living meal-to-meal and realize that your plan of action executed has brought you out of the survival mechanism. Right, right, right. So anyway, that's, you know, again, sort of the overarching, like, why, you know. Once you know that there are ways out there to create sort of that bubble of protection around you and the people that you care about, um, you know, it's like then it's like, why would I do that? It's like, let's, you know, let's get away from that old-time idea of we're divided and we're competing and we're, I got mine, so you got to get yours, you know, point of view. Right. Right. Exactly. So let's talk about medical insurance. I mean, it seems really obvious, but let's talk about it. Right. I mean, it's 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 the uh, it's a very similar to the emergency fund, but there are certain medical. I mean, medical bills are medical bills can be way more than the car getting your car fixed, and right. um, and and if you have a a re a re a recurring type of a situation where you have to constantly be seen, it gets really expensive. It puts you at a financial setback. It puts your family at a financial setback if they have to support it. Um, it, it creates a huge problem. I know a, a young lady who was without insurance, and she had a very, a very tragic situation where um, she had a condition called endometriosis, which, yep. you know what that is, right? So endometriosis. My sister, yeah, my sister has it. Well, she not had, anymore because she's beyond baby-making years, but, right. you know, yeah, she she had it for many years. She had she had one of her female organs removed in an emergency surgery, and that she didn't have insurance at the time. Like, she didn't know she had the condition. She didn't know she didn't have insurance, but she was in all of this pain, and the doctor was like, we have to remove this. I think it was one of her ovaries. Probably, we have to, yeah. yeah, we have to remove this ovary. And it was, first of all, psychologically traumatic for her to go through that, not knowing she had the condition, having to lose an ovary, and then having to pay for this surgery that she didn't have any health insurance to cover. And now, you know, she didn't have money to pay for. She didn't have an emergency fund that would have been big enough to cover that anyway. Um, and and so health insurance is just something, and and not that's just for a, a, per, a personal um, insurance, but also making sure that your children and your wife or your your spouse or whatever that relationship looks like has insurance as well, um, because they, you gotta you gotta be able to cover it. You gotta be able to in the case. Can you hear me still? Yes. Yeah. I can. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Okay. So, you know, medical insurance was, again, like way, way, way back in the day. I sold life and medical, a little bit of disability, but mostly life and medical. And we used to tell people, if you can, if you're going to have a deductible and a copay, which they're a lot higher now, deductibles and copays, than they used to be, 
You know, that should be a part of your emergency fund. So if you have, say, a deductible of maybe $500 and 80-20 copay up to, say, $5,000, that's like $1,500, you know, that you have to come in as your insurance is kind of gradually kicking in. So, you know, think of that in terms of adding a piece to your emergency fund. Absolutely agree with that. Yeah, because right. uh, medical insurance is very expensive, and they don't cover you until you meet your deductible. <laughs> most, right. most don't. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, and and one thing I want to get on the tape and um, is that the number one reason families go bankrupt in America today is medical expenses. Wow. You know, so that's you know, super, super important. And, of course, we were hearing all these statistics when, um, you know, Obama was uh, putting um, the Affordable Care Act into place. But I understand it's still true. It's like people have, like, massive, big, big deductibles and co-pays and insurance will say we'll pay this but not that. You know, I mean, that that puts families into bankruptcy, you know. And, and it really is. I mean, you know, the person who's sick, they should be able to focus on getting well or, you know, doing whatever they need to do, not on, you know, I mean, you were talking about GoFundMe accounts to pay for somebody's burial. I've seen an awful lot of them to pay for somebody's cancer treatment or to pay for somebody's, you know, medical treatment of some kind. So, anyway. Yep. Okay. Yeah, the last, The last thing... Is there anything else you wanted to add about medical insurance? Nope. Okay. All right. The last thing you have on here is vehicle insurance. Right. Which is the law, right? Yep. And I think I wanted to relate just kind of, that was more like a tie-in. People are, people will insure, obviously the, the law mandates that we insure a possession that is a depreciating asset that is um, temporary in terms of, like, very temporary in terms of relative to most of our lifespan. But we won't take the initiative and the diligence to ensure our families and ensure our – and I think we could just use – like vehicle insurance, possession insurance. I mean, people insure their phones, but won't insure their their families. So they'll, they'll insure their stuff, but not right. their assets and their life. But they'll insure right. their stuff, right? Right. Yeah, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, they will insure their temporary, their incredibly temporary assets and leave their um, quote-unquote permanent assets uh, unprotected, and, and that's just that's that is unjust. That yeah. is unmerciful. Yeah. That is that is unhumane. Yeah. So that's the the primary point you want to make about vehicle in, insurance is sort of this dichotomy about how we'll insure stuff that's temporary and really in the long haul isn't that important compared to insuring what truly is important. Absolutely. Good, 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 good. You're going to hit them between the eyeballs with this this one. So anyway, closing thoughts on your protection plan. 
So bringing it full circle, I I would like to go back to the conversation about where do we go from here and realizing that um, we have to protect the dream that our our forefathers and those that came before us in the struggle, we have to understand their efforts were not for us to be in the same place as we were. And in order to, they gave up everything so that we can have better lives. But it wasn't just so that we can have better lives, but it was also to set an example of what we should do in order to ensure that the generations behind us have the same privilege of living a better life and being in a better position and being closer to generational wealth uh, than than we were. The last initiative that Dr. King spoke about during, I won't say the last initiative, one of the last initiatives that he spoke about, in, in specifically in the speech in 1957, where do we go from here, from here was about Operation Breadbasket, which was a specific um, strategic means of strengthening the economic disposition of the African American. And we can't forget about Cesar Chavez and what he did and the labor that he did. So all of the forefathers, those who were pioneers and fought battles for us as minorities, they're living and they're dying should be an example to us about how sacrificial and how much and, and what and how sacrificial and the the that we should live, but not just for the sake of our people, but for the sake of mankind. One of the most beautiful things about this struggle that minorities had was the ones that really were impactful were concerned about the well-being of mankind and not just the well-being of their own people. And because of when we realize that when we do our part in protecting our family, we are really doing our part in protecting our our human race. Wow. Charles for president. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, is there anything that you want to say with regard to protection plans, since this is the final chapter of the book, since it's, you know, very, very topical and I believe very important about Black Lives Matter? I think we talked about it um, the last session or maybe the session before that, but is there anything that you want to say about that in this sort of final wrap-up, because it's kind of like, you know, it's it's a different, more um, focused issue, the relationship between minorities and, you know, the the police and stuff like that, but do you see tie-ins with this and um, the protection plan or just playing the idea of uh, brown skin, green money? In relation to Black Lives Matter. So, so I, I, yeah, and I think my my point before is when we protect ourselves, when we understand how money works, how to be producers, how 
to show value. We no longer have to cry Black Lives Matter. We begin to innately embed ourselves into the conversation of we matter without having to state it. Just like I said before, when we're conscious of of humanity and we understand that the things that we do the decisions we make with our money impacts humanity. Humanity will begin to see the change that we've made, and they will they will feel that we matter because we have shown them that they matter to us. I'm trying to look up. There was a quote by Oprah Winfrey, and let's see if I can find it. She said something like, when your focus is on excellence in everything that you do, racism, you know, in your personal circumstances kind of goes away. Yep. I would would agree with that, I would say, for the most part. I think there will be some... Some fundamental there there are just some people that are fundamentally racist, and no matter yes, how well you yeah, do absolutely. you know and and that's not just black that's not just white people racist to black people there are some black people that are highly racist um towards white people, towards whites towards hispanics i mean i mean racism is a fundamental issue not just with people that aren't black or who aren't hispanic. Right. I right. mean, there, there, there are, there are gangs in in Los Angeles that literally hate each other because one is a, a black gang and one is a Mexican gang. Right. Yeah, I you know. know. And, and that's the, two minorities the, hate each other. Right. Here's the here's the quote um, by Oprah Winfrey. I was raised to believe that excellence is the best deterrent to racism or sexism, and that's how I operate my life. That's, that's you know, so she's not saying it goes away completely. She says that's right. deterrent, you know. So anyway, okay, good, 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 good. All right, all right. Do you want to schedule a meeting for, say, next week to kind of start going through these chapters and kind of take it from the top, even though I got a couple more to finish for you? That makes sense. We can do the end of the week if that's better for you. What's that? I said that makes sense. We can do the end of the week if that's better for you. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let me pull up the calendar. Okay. So the end of next week is Friday, uh, February the 5th. Um, Charles, I have something going on next Friday from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. It's going to get me home about 5.30. So we don't have to do Friday. you have Thursday available? Yeah, I think so. Hang on, because you said end of the week. Yeah, Thursday's open. That's cool. Okay. You you tell me what time works for you. Um, let's shoot for the same time. Let's do 4 o'clock on Thursday. 4 o'clock? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, yeah, and we can we can start going through them one at a time. So, 
and you know who knows maybe in one uh one session together we might get through two or three of them who knows you know yeah i think that's what we're doing before we're getting through like two of them per session yeah well we'll just see how it goes so it's okay. funny because every every client that i have has kind of a different way of wanting to do this sort of final check over like you and i were doing it together i have other people that you know uh, want to send me stuff, you know, so in, either way is fine. In fact, I kind of like doing it with you, so to make sure that I, under, I understand what you need and, you know, what your intentions are. So, okay. All right, that sounds good. I will talk to you Thursday. That's six days from now. Um, that's Thursday, February 4th at 4 p.m. Perfect. Okay. All right. Enjoy your weekend. You as well, Denise. Thank you. Okay. All right. Take care. Uh Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.